Welcome to Her Bro, His Sis, a podcast hosted by sibling ministers discussing topics of faith and family. Welcome, family of God, to another episode of Her Bro, His Sis. Today, we're talking about what would James do? So I know you guys are probably familiar with what would Jesus do? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But today, uh, we're talking about uh, the brother of Jesus, James. And I'm really excited about this uh, for a couple of reasons. One, my favorite book, uh, my second favorite book, actually, is the book of James. And so really just getting to get into that, I'm just really excited about that. And secondly, um, just kind of how this conversation really came to be. Um, We were just kind of discussing as we were um, kind of just going through last month's episode um, and really just kind of got into some some topics in James. And um, just as we went through, um, (laughs) we were kind of talking about the life of a believer and just kind of thinking about, man, like, what would James do? Um, And so, um, you know, as we went through um, some of the scriptures there, it really just kind of stuck out to me that man like if we could really just pinpoint his life i mean he was really somebody that followed jesus and he probably had an inside track and so um, i really think it's a cool um analogy and and kind of a cool play on words to be able to just kind of take that thought so yeah and one thing that also struck me when you said that when we're talking is you were talking about how you know jesus was jesus so a lot of people say what wwjd what would jesus do and it's so hard because jesus is jesus you know so they comparing themselves to what he would do is harder to um, imagine how to measure up to Jesus. Right. But when you think of James and I think that's the thing that just sealed it for us because, like, yeah, James is another J and he's a a brother of Jesus. So he's not God. And so just to even learn from the lessons that James offers us through that book is really um, how that came to really just seal it for us. Like, yeah, you know, James, we can kind of, except James a little yeah, bit yeah. more. <laughs> he's, he's one of us. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, um, and the funny thing is, like, we, because, you know, as David said, you know, you have read this thing often. Um, it's something that we do annually um, on our own and personal studies. And, and I know that you've read it a few times a year yourself. Um, and so reading through it, it's crazy because the last two times that I read through the book, I actually journaled as I read through it. And so every time I journal though, I don't go back to my previous notes to see like, what did I write last time? I was in two totally different journals even, which was crazy too. So when I went back and I just was rereading through the notes, it's crazy how some of the notes are almost exactly the same, like my (laughs) or the exact same things. And um, the things I highlighted were the exact same thing. So there were some other, you know, new variations or some new revelations as well, but it was just funny that the same thing stuck out each and every time. So that's a consistent thing that I really appreciated. So I'm excited to kind of go through this today with you. Yeah. Well, let's get it. All right. So chapter one, I kind of just kind of wanted to pull one theme through each chapter. So chapter one, um, one of the biggest things that stuck out to me, and it's really early, it hits you like when you first started reading it, um, is actually from verse two. And it says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it in that translation, because it's just plain as day, right? I love King James and King James is my ultimate favorite to the end when Jesus returns. But in this plain (laughs) language, I'm telling you, it's like whatever he said in King James, this is what it means in perfect plain English to you. Okay. When I said to count all joy, when you fall into diverse temptations, what I'm telling you 
dear brothers and sisters, is when troubles of any kind come your way, consider them an opportunity for great joy. And the question begs to answer why. Why would I consider an opportunity for great joy? Well, let me tell you why. Because verse three says, (laughs) for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And in Amplified, it says that it leads to spiritual maturity and inner peace and letting endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. Mm. I just Gotta love get that, that AMP. I love the Amplified. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because honestly, like when you think about it, how often do we as Christians pray for patience, pray for help with endurance, pray for spiritual maturity, pray for inner peace. We pray that often. But the thing is, like when God answers our prayers, it's not like, hey, remember when you prayed for patience? Remember when you asked me to help you with endurance? Remember when you asked for maturity and pace? Like he doesn't say that when he delivers the answer. (laughs) He just we fall into, as it says, diverse, various kinds of troubles, trials and tests. And that's God's way of answering our prayers through them, because those are the opportunities for great joy. But we don't see it like that. It's like when he says, Lord, Lord, I pray for boldness. And then he puts you on a stage. And it's like, okay, go speak. <laughs> if I wanted to say, go ask the stage, Lord. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then that brings us back to last, last episode. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, right? <laughs> oh, God. So what, what is your, like, what did you pull from that? Or what did you get from that chapter? Or, or even that verse or that passage? No, that that right there. I mean, you can you can go all day on that. Um, the the word that stuck out to me um, was uh, endurance, and I think you said mm-hmm. in verse three it says your endurance has a chance to grow. So to me, it's it's what is our endurance, and you know, other passages say patience, um, but it's just a steadfastness, you know, a constancy. Um, you know, it it's a characteristic of a man who has not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. So mm. to me, it's like you're you're running towards something regardless of what it is that you're going through. So it's just mm-hmm. like you got to get to work. You're getting out your car and it's raining. Do you stop and go back home because it's raining? No, you grab the umbrella and you keep it moving. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, it's like you you're not swayed by what's happening around you. You just you just keep going because you know that there's a, a greater purpose. There's a mission that has to be done. And so that's what what it really spoke to me is just that um, that understanding that mindset of of you're not you're not defeated because of what you've experienced. And I think that's where a lot of Christians, I think, fall short is that they don't endure when a trial happens. And so, you know, mm-hmm. this is that, you know, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Like, why would we ever be joyful when we're going through something? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> uh, you know, just to even see that, I, I think that that's a beautiful thing. That is a good analogy that you used about um, we don't turn around because of the weather, you know, when we're on our way work or whatever we're doing but in in the natural and in the spiritual i feel like that's what some believers do in in their faith right like when it comes to the things of god we're so not committed our endurance is not where it needs to be because how many times have you heard excuses that are really shallow um when it comes to the things of god or you know church events or church related things or faith related things that people will just in a heartbeat like cancel on no, check out no i'm not going now i'm i'm good or 
it's their first excuse. However, the same exact circumstance could be going on, but for work, you'll fight the snowstorm, you'll fight the storm, you'll fight the flood, you'll fight feeling sick. Like, you're getting paid. You will go to work, <laughs> right. Like you will go to work with a fever, like even in current situation, I mean, I don't really want to talk about all that, but like even in the current situation, like folks will still be trying to go to work until you absolutely don't have to go to work, right? Yep. But when it comes to like the church or a church related or a faith related event or something like that, you have a sniffle. I'm not going to church. <laughs> like, We're trying to get FMA you know? on God. We're like, wait a second. Can I get somebody's time off? Do I have, right. So, I mean, we have, and it's by choice. Like, we just do not want to endure for the things of God because when it comes to God, like, we just want life and, and our faith life to just be a cakewalk. And honestly, it's not, that's not anything that God promised us. If anything in the, in the world, he never promised us it would be a cakewalk. And from any example, I would love for you to show me one person in the word who had a cakewalk of a life in the Bible, because I have not seen that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess for this point, what would James do? James would endure, right? Yeah. Plain and simple. And I have this point here. It says uh, endurance shifts the focus off of self and onto the mission. Mm-hmm. And that mission is Christ. Um, I was thinking mm-hmm. about Hebrews 12, um, Amplified. <laughs> um, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a call of witnesses, and we, we've all heard this scripture, but it really just, as we were kind of going through James, it really hit me this time. But it says, um, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight in the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance, there's that word, and act mm-hmm. of persistence, the race that is set before us, looking mm-hmm. away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. So there's our mission, who right. is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goals set before him endured the cross. So he's our example, mm-hmm. disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority and the completion of his work. Just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. And then this last piece I love, consider it all in comparison with your trials so that mm. you will not grow weary and lose heart. <laughs> wow. So everything you said just really was just summarized in that situation right there. Like looking to Christ who endured everything, who went to the cross for us. Like, mm-hmm. how can we not consider it joy when he enjoy said, I'm going to do this for my, my right. children. So we, <laughs> we have nothing to do right. but to walk with, with endurance and joy. Well, you know, I love that verse that you use simply because last year that was one of like the ones I hung, I, I hung my hat on last year, you know, for 2020, because uh, you and I did this journey in vision and perspective. And so that was kind of like the anchor scripture for me. So you bringing that back is just so true because it's still true right now. Like we need to look away from the things that distract us and keep our focus on the Lord, yes. because that's the only way that we're going to be able to endure is to keep our focus on him. I mean, when you think about like when people endure difficult situations, their eyes are set fixed, whether it's physically or mentally, they set their eyes on something in order to get through that situation. Um, Even as small as like a kid in a doctor's office, when they are thinking about getting that shot in their arm, you know, and they hold their mom's hand or they're listening to their parents' voice, you know, you're focused on that thing that will get you to endure that pain or whatever it is that you're going to go through. And so this is the same thing. And so when you think about the Lord, um, 
man, what better thing to set your focus on to help you to endure a situation when you know that he's going to be there at the end for you and he's there with you, not just at the end, but he's there with you while you're enduring, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's move on to chapter two, (laughs) because I feel like for this, um, even helping with endure, what I pulled from chapter two, um, I think also helps with us with what I pulled from enduring there. Um, So for me, from chapter two, I uh, just kind of pulled, I'll read... um, Verse 24 is, it says, you see that a man, and I actually want to go back to something that you pointed out, which at the very beginning of James, before I finish this verse, it said who he's talking to. So usually at the beginning of the gospels, they'll say who, who's speaking and who they're talking to. And James in the beginning in chapter one, he says, James, a servant of God, who he's writing to the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad. So he's talking to folks who are children of God, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so that is, I'm saying that for a reason, because when he says this, he says, you see that a man, believers, he's already talking to believers, is justified by works and not by faith alone. That is, by acts of obedience, a born-again believer reveals his faith. In verse 26, it said, for just as the human body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works of obedience is also dead. So I feel like this um, point, pulled out to me obedience is really important and I know we talked about obedience in episode one too um and I just want to read verse 21 and 22 just to give a little bit more context to verse 24 because it says wherefore lay apart all filthiness I went back to King James right there (laughs) (laughs) lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness so basically just all like you had said in that Hebrews lay aside all weight and sin, right? Lay aside the weights and the sin that so easily besets us um, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So he's talking to people who already claim to believe the Lord, right? You believe the Lord and he's telling you to lay apart filthiness as a believer naughtiness and receive meekly the word that is able to save your soul it's able to save you if you are a doer of the word and not just a hearer because if you just listen to it you are deceiving yourself and i know in the first episode when we talked about it i did pull that scripture out and i think it was part of my application because i was talking about examining ourselves and our lives because i used the rest of this chapter to kind of get into that point but that's basically where that comes from you know um being a doer of the word and not just here only, it's like what he continued to say, looking at yourself in the glass, going into a mirror and seeing what you look like and then straightway forgetting it. And mm. so I thought about how, again, I, I mentioned that a little bit last time, but it's just like when you wake up in the morning, you go to the bathroom, um, you see like sleep crust or crystals in your eyes. You got that dry slobber on your face. Would you look at that and just walk away and leave it there? Or would you not like try to handle that and wipe, wash that away? Right. Right. Or if you, if you feel, you don't even have to see it. If you feel an eyelash in your eye or a particle in your eyeball, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, handling what's in your eye before you try to look at somebody else's eye. But if you just feel it in your eye, don't you try to wash that thing out and get rid of what's in your own eye? So how is it that we're able to read the word and see ourselves? We see these particles. We see the, the filth. We see the crust on our life. And, and we just look at that and just walk away like we didn't see it there. Mm. So 
I feel like it's an obligation. Like personally, I feel obligated to myself, you know, to do something about it, especially the more that I've been in, in this walk and I, I've grown the word. Um, but I feel like as a, as a humanity of, of, of people of, that love the Lord and, and are for him, that represent him, we need to be campaigning this. Like we need to, to tell people like, when you see yourself, it's not just so that you see what you look like. It's so for you to do something about that. It's not like, oh, I'm jacked up. I'm cool with that though. Yeah, <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you, what, what did you catch from, from that? Yeah, no, same thing. Um, obedience. Um, the, the, I think the scripture that really stuck it out for me was verse 10 that says, uh, whoever keeps the whole law, but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. And I think it's really poignant to what you're saying is that, you know, a lot of times we try to look at those big sins of like, man, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm not murdering people. I'm not stealing. I'm not doing those things. And it's like, okay, that's great. Um, but I think a lot of times we, we fall short. And even if you're looking at the context of this particular passage in James two, he's talking about people being partial, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So even just, you know, in that sense, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm not murdering, but are you being partial? So it, it really doesn't matter what it is. It's, are you willing to be obedient to all of God? You know what I'm saying? Just like, right. you know, if, if God's saying be obedient to all of me, that means you need to give me all of you to, for that to happen. And so um, that's really what, what stuck out to me. And I just uh, made this point real quick is um, we must conduct um, the verb. So an action, we must conduct. So conduct ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, conduct the noun. So, um, we must live out what we live for. So if That's we're going so to say that, um, that we are something, then that has to show. We can't just say it with our lips and say, oh, like we know that James is talking to believers, not just in title, but as a fact of life. Like if you are a believer, then that means that you need to believe not only with your lips, but with your actions. Yes. Um, and so that's, that, that's, that's where it really uh, just hits the fan for me. Yeah, I love that. We must conduct conduct. You know, it makes me think about uh, Matthew 7 because, you know, people, they might hear that, um, you know, it's not about works. It's about faith. Yeah, faith without works is dead. But let's add this extra layer, what Matthew said um, in chapter 7 and 20, because he talked about by their fruits, you shall know them. Mm. Um, Your fruit is your work, (laughs) you know. So if you obey me and you you said it so much, last month you know when we had our our last episode you said if you love me you'll obey me you'll keep my commandments and so those are acts those are deeds those are doing and again when the lord is judging us and he opens those books it's going to be based off of the deeds that you did or did not do so again it is about fruit it is about works of righteousness and obedience um again old testament I've been reading a lot about um, Exodus and Moses and the people coming out of Egypt uh, lately. And he said straight up in the wilderness that I'm going to test them to see whether they'll obey me or not. Simple instructions. Mm -hmm. Rain manna quail from heaven. I'm going to send you out and I want you to gather this much. And that's it for six days. Do exactly what I say. You're not going to have more left over don't save it. I'm going to do this every single day. And I'm going to do this specifically to test if you will obey me or not. (laughs) (laughs) So from that point, you know, it's always about obedience. And so when we think about just instruction, God is very intentional. He is very serious about us following commands. 
So in this case, what would James do? James would obey, right? Yeah. Uh, can you can you just talk to us real quick? Because I know we, we talk a lot and I know that one of your um, heavily coined mottos is uh, has a lot to do with obedience. So kind of just walk us through that, because I, I believe that, you know, almost every conversation we've had, at least <laughs> over the last year, that has come up. <laughs> and I've even read scripture where I would just text back to you, like, hey, man, like this is you right here. So <laughs> just, just kind of walk us through that. But just kind of let the people know kind of what the Lord has spoke to you through that. Yeah. So one of the things that I often say is hear, receive, obey. It's just kind of like the whole summation of our charge as children of God. You hear the word uh, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you hear it, you're supposed to receive it, and then you're supposed to obey it. And so last month, I think we may have talked about, you know, if you, if something is off there, it's obviously not because you didn't hear it because you have heard the word. So then once you've heard the word, did you not receive it or did you not obey it? Because if you received it, you should, that should be followed by obedience. Um, and so the other thing that I think you added to that was really, really good, which gave me a further thought because you said something super profound. If you want to share it, I, I don't want to steal your, your, your thing there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, that whole here, receive, obey, I, I think it's definitely a, a, timeline is the only word that's coming but i mean it's definitely a, a, a pattern of progress so like yeah. you said it's, it's it's either you you're in the receiving stage and the obedience stage so you have to be in one of those because obviously you wouldn't be a believer if you hadn't heard right right <laughs> so we're at the point where um are we not receiving or are we not being obedient so i think if you come to the point where you're not doing one of those two things then it comes down to um if you're not receiving, the opposite of that is you're ignoring. And if you're not obeying, then the opposite of that is being disobedient. So um, I basically just took that thing and it, it, it's, you know, the, the, the acronym is HID. So, you know, hear, ignore, disobey. So if we ignore the will mm-hmm. of God, we begin to hide the very nature of our, of our faith. So, um, you know, it's the opposite of if we are in faith, we're going to hear, receive, and obey. And if we're choosing to be disobedient to that, then we're going to be hiding that um, that character that we we say that we have and i love that because when when you pulled the acronym the scripture that came to me was um psalm 119 and 10 which said uh thy word have i hid in my heart that i might not sin against you so if if you're hiding god's word in your heart so that you don't sin against him that means you are receiving it and that you are doing what you need to do to make sure that you're executing that and obeying that um but if you're hiding it as far as like i'm literally ignoring this um like says that fools despise wisdom and instruction which the word comes to gives us give us wisdom and instruction right um and one of my other things that i guess could be even as much of a motto as the hear receive obey is my explanation for what knowledge wisdom and understanding are um, knowledge is the information understanding is the comprehension of the information and wisdom is the scope application of the information that you comprehend yeah. so you know yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we have to be applying. I can't remember if I said this last month or not, because I mean, I have so many conversations with people that I feel like I'm kind of regurgitating at this point. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, every time we go to a service, we're either being reminded of something by way of the message or it's a revelation. Mm-hmm. So at this point, right. whether it's a, a reminder or a revelation, we have to be doing something with that. So it's going to come out to application. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the day, um, the, the culmination is we should be obedient to something. So, Absolutely. yeah, <laughs> I mean, in a nutshell, it's <laughs> the basics. And we're now at the point of do we want to do that or not? Absolutely. So, again, 
Point number two, what would James do? James would obey. All right, so we're going to go into chapter three. What I pull from chapter three, um, man, this is something I've taught on for many, many years, this chapter about our speech and the things our tongues say. Um, and it was really hard to pull just one thing because of just how meaty this one was. So I'll just kind of read what I, I wrote. Um, from verse two, I started, it said, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. And then when you read verses six through eight, it describes the tongue as a flame of fire, a whole world of wickedness, a restless evil, undisciplined, unstable, and full of deadly poison. Verse 10 says that out of the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. These things, my brothers, should not be this way moral obligation to speak in a manner that reflects our fear of God and profound respect for his precepts. Mm. So again, just a reminder, I have to keep bringing it back to this. He's already talking to believers. So it's not like he's talking to like folks who don't know the Lord, unsafe people, just a mixed audience. He is literally talking to people who already love God, who already say they are his children. So he's saying like, yeah, we all make mistakes. We make many mistakes. But if we could just control our tongues, we, we would be perfect. Um, and if we could do that, we would also control ourselves in every other way. That's powerful. That is so amazing. Mm -hmm. It gave examples of how, you know, we control ships and we control horses just by the, the little bit in their mouth and the rudder at the front of the ship. Um, and to see how huge those both of those things are, right? and how they're guided by such a little thing. And so our tongue being as small as those things is kind of the way it was kind of uh, being paralleled. And so he's saying out of the same mouth, brothers and sisters um, <laughs> come blessing and cursing. And we, we've already talked about so many times um, cussing saints or, you know, and it doesn't just have to be profanity. It can just be, there's other unhealthy, unwholesome words that come out of people's mouth that we have no business saying as believers. Um, but he says this, he's like, it should not be this way because we as children of God have a moral obligation to speak in a way that reflects our fear of God and respect of what he has said for us to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just in awe that we don't look to this word more to try to, to tailor our speech because, I think for me, and I'll just use the, the profanity part because I think it's the most simplest example to share. share. Um, you can be conscious of your mouth when you want to be, right? When you're around people that you highly respect, um, it can be president, pastor, parent, grandparent, little children, right? D depending upon who you feel that you should watch your mouth around that's who you feel like you'll adjust yourself for on your job if you know you can't use profanity freely on the floor in front of clients in front of customers you wherever you're right you don't do that because you know a it's unprofessional b is probably frowned upon from your company um, but you just can't roll like that in a in an open setting right so you control yourself so that lets you know you can mm-hmm so if you can, then you can do it all the time. If you can do it a little bit, if you can do it when you want to, you can do it all the time. You just choose when to turn it on and turn it off. The thing is, this Christianity lifestyle is not a turn off, turn off, turn oh. on and off switch. 
So if we are to be like Christ, as it said, we have the moral obligation to speak in a manner that reflects it. We need to do that all the time, not just when I clock in at work because y'all are paying me, not just because I don't want to get fired, not just because I respect my mom and I don't want to get slapped, not just because these little children are right here. Some people don't care if a little infant is right there. They think it's cute when a baby heard you cuss and they start cussing. Um, some people just have certain relatives that they're cool enough with that they just know you like that and it's okay to cuss in front of them. Um, but when you get around this person, you know, let me let loose. No. Let me just calm down and let you give yourself a chance to, but I'm just, you know, this is, this is something I really feel passionate about, you know, this topic. And like I said, I've taught on this topic for many years, so I, I do feel pretty strongly about it, but I'll let you go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's why I love James, man, because uh, James keeps it real. Uh, and it's not even just that. I mean, it's just like, what's sticking out to me? I mean, everything you said is spot on. Um, the thing that's sticking out to me is how he described the thing. So you're saying that, you know, he's obviously talking to brothers and sisters. So we, we definitely, we know mm-hmm. that. Uh, but when you get to like verse 11, verse 12, you know, what does he start describing? And he says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So what he's describing is one thing and what it's supposed to yield. So in essence, mm-hmm. he's saying, does a fig tree produce olives? No. What does it produce? Figs. So basically what he's saying is, what are you identifying with? What you identify with means now you should be producing what it is that you're supposed to represent. So if you're saying you're righteous, which is why he said brothers, (laughs) you you should look Mm -hmm. like a brother. If you don't, there's a question mark there. So Mm -hmm. like you said, the same from the same mouth cannot come blessing and cursing. So if you're a brother, what should we assume comes from a brother or sister of Christ? blessing mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? right that's, that's not even true a question. so right that that's what really baffles me is that when we see these things and it goes back to what we we're saying i think in chapter two is like we, we start to really just kind of hit that that teeter-totter line of like okay well over here i'm going to be saved and over here i'm not going to be as saved and it's like well what gives you the license to not have to be obedient in certain respects and so that's right. really what the rubber meets the road for me is like it's not obedience is 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 a lifestyle like obedience is, is is who we are as children of god like we are required to be obedient at all times it's not well right. okay from end to five i'm gonna go ahead and, and be obedient and then as soon as 501 hits like i can just let my guard down and i can do whatever i want <laughs> like that's not that's not christianity you know what i'm saying it's not a, mm-hmm. a shirt or a name tag you put on to say okay when i'm around brothers and sisters i can do that and when i'm not i can do whatever i want and and again we have to look at the mission we're, we're pointing people to christ and so if we're not choosing to be righteous then we're giving people the false impression of what Christ did. And, and we're, we're, again, nailing him to the cross and open shame by not living the life that he has required us to live. So that's really right. what, what just kind of just takes it home for me. And, you know, that really reminds me of Matthew chapter 12, when um, in verse 33, he says, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for mm-hmm. the tree is known by his fruit. So like you said, if you're identifying yourself as that fig tree, but you're producing something that's not figs, okay, make the tree good or in its fruit good or else make it corrupt mm. because it's not, it's, we can't do both, <laughs> you yeah. know, make up your mind what you want to be and what you want to do, but you're not, it, you're going to be known by the fruit you're producing. So not just what you're saying, again, going back to what we just previously said, not what you're saying, it's going to be by the fruit, which are your works. So uh, you can't be mad when somebody hears you or observes you 
and your conduct is corrupt and they're associating you by your conduct. Mm. They're not associated. It's not judgment or improper judgment when they're judging you correctly by the conduct they see in here, right? You can only go off of what you see in here and and you can't even say, let's be contextual. No, because under no circumstances of the Lord, like you said, give us license to cuss somebody out (laughs) or to express (laughs) ourselves in these ways that are not Christ-like. No, come on. You know, like (laughs) we have been instructed in this word because he says, I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. So we have been instructed. We, We have been taught how to conduct ourselves in a manner that is pleasing unto the Lord in every, in, in every situation. And so when we're not doing that, um, it's not going to reflect well. And, mm. and people cannot, you know, associate that with Christ. Cause they're like, okay, this isn't, that's not what I know to be about Christ. So the, that, that can't be Christ, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because if, if I see a fig tree with olives on it, I'm gonna call it an olive tree. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, I mean, so we got to call a spade a spade. I mean, if you're not bearing the fruit that should accompany the branches that you're saying you represent i'm like mm-hmm. i can't call you that you know what i'm saying so right yeah we, we we gotta be able to look at it like that um ephesians 4 29 it says let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear like our mouth has to be used for blessing our mouth has to be used for edifying we have a we already mm-hmm. have a calling and a responsibility to to equip and edify uh the body of christ so if we're not doing that with our lips what are we doing Mm-hmm. That's true. And and honestly, um, going back to like the thoughts, um, what we're thinking about actually will come from our mouth. And so if we can train our minds, A, by feeding it the word of God, but even like Philippians 4 says, you know, um, a lot of times they quote that, think on these things, but these are the things that will help you to be able to speak from that fountain of blessings and that fountain of good fruit um, so that you can think what's honest, what's just, what's pure, what's lovely, what's good report, what has any virtue, what has praise. Let's think on those things that we can have a treasure chest to basically be able to overflow from. Cause the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth is going to speak. So if your, your heart has the abundance of dishonesty, um, unjustness, impurity, things that are not lovely, things that are not good report, um, things that are not virtuous, things that are not praiseworthy, then how can you expect yourself to speak anything other than that? You know, so it's, it's definitely not um, a good look for believers to have that double tongue. We we definitely need to um, get to that point where we are like the Old Testament folks, like Lord, you know, wash our mouths out, burn us with that coal on our lips. You know, do what you have to do so that we are speaking purely and righteously before you yeah that's good and uh not to really just kind of just bang this uh into the ground but um if you read the rest of that chapter it really it goes into wisdom and it talks about you know two different types of wisdom and so you know if we've already kind of identified ourselves with the wisdom of god um that has its own um connotation to it so it actually Mm -hmm. says that if you don't have um, the wisdom of God that you're actually earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So wow. <laughs> you can actually even weigh <laughs> your tongue and your conduct by the type of wisdom that you represent. So um, My God. You know, verse 16 says, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So if you can evaluate your fruit, as you were saying, mm-hmm. um, you know, what 
what are you representing? What are you, what are you giving out? What are you showing on your branches? Um, and then just to, to close it out, verse 17, it says the wisdom that comes from God is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. So those are some fruits that you can <laughs> test the waters, if you will, um, and say, OK, am I am I being covered by the wisdom of God? Am I exercising the wisdom of God, even in my in my conduct, in my manner of speech? Because it is possible that, you know, you find yourself in situations where, you know what? this person deserved my wrath. I'm gonna go ahead and cuss them out or I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z, or I'm going to threaten this person. Like we, we do mm-hmm. things assuming that we're justified, not realizing that we have a moral compass that we need to be obedient to. And so look at this and evaluate that and say, am, am I using the wisdom of God? You know, what would James do? What would Jesus do? You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, <laughs> would, and, and obviously, you know, both of them would do the same thing. We believe obviously by, uh, you know, how we're looking at the life of James, but you know, we have to be able to look to that example and say, what am I giving off? And is that mm-hmm. something that is representative of the family of God? Right. So you said it in a nutshell, based on chapter three, what would James do? What would Jesus do? Watch his mouth. That's what exactly. they would do. So <laughs> we're going to move on to chapter four. Um, chapter four, um, what I pulled out from that one, I'm going to start at verse four. It says, after having, let me see, let me just go back to that right here. Yeah. So in, Chapter four, verse four, he literally calls the believers spiritual adulterers. Mm. He calls them adulterers and adulteresses. Then he exhorts them that God gives more and more grace through the Holy Spirit for us to defy sin and to live obedient lives that reflect our faith and gratitude for salvation. So in verse seven, he says, submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so my note was that too often we see that people are submitting to the flesh, to sin and the devil and resisting God. Tell um, <laughs> I mean, just it, it's just that simple. Um, we sometimes think that submitting to God is different than obeying God. Like all of this is just the same thing in different words. Submitting to God is obeying God. When you obey the Lord, you are disobeying the devil, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like you are submitting yourself to what he said. You are hearing, receiving, and obeying. Um, You are yielding your obedience to the Lord. You are yielding your body as a living sacrifice and your members unto righteousness as the Bible tells us to do. So it is, it's all the same thing when you really boil it down to the simplest elements, it's just obeying God. So um, submit to God and resist the devil. He's talking to, to believers that he called spiritual adulterers. Okay. He's telling them that you can defy sin and live obediently. Again, we're not talking to folks who are out here serving the world. We're talking to people who are believers of the Lord, okay? Because if we are um, truly grateful for the salvation and truly um, adamant about the faith that we proclaim, we we would um, submit to God happily. We would be obedient right? Like, why would we not? Why would we not? Um, we would want to defy sin. Why would we want to be people who want to indulge in sin and yet also enjoy the glories of God? And I, I see that so much that we want to, to have the best of both worlds um, because it's promoted in this world among church circles and institutions. And it's not 
the will of God. It just really isn't. So um, when you continue into verse eight, it says, come close to God, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh unto you. Wash your hands and purify your hearts. You sinners is what he actually mm. says <laughs> in King James. <laughs> um, again, he's talking to believers. <laughs> all right. So I, I have to add that part because sometimes when you, when you uh, vacillate between translations, they try to take some words out and, and, you know, that's good, but the what he said here matters because he's talking to sinners who also were believers, okay? Yeah. Not before you believe, not before Christ, but since you have believed and are still being considered a sinner and adulterer right now, he's telling you to purify your heart, you double-minded. So now yeah, you are in right him, there. but you are double-minded in is. him right now. Mm. <laughs> so... Uh, I just want you to um, just kind of speak on that real quick and just and add, you know, what what you received or what you get from that. Yeah, no, that double minded was that was it for me right there. Um, And I'm reminded of Matthew, you know, where it says that no man can serve two masters. Um, And Mm -hmm. we, you know, says that he will be devoted to one um, or he will love the one and hate the other. Um, And so um, it has to be a love hate relationship. You know, you, you cannot be completely. Um, all in on two different things um, it's just not possible right. um, and so um, you know when he says double-minded um, you know what did he say in in, um, in another verse um, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways right, right. so um, again you know to be a believer and to be a sinner <laughs> you know what I'm saying like you have no stability <laughs> even in where you saying that you at so is is your feet in on I'm gonna be a believer or is your feet in on you gonna be a sinner because you cannot have it both ways and so um yeah that, that, that's where it's at for me um you know and then when you said in verse seven you know submit yourselves therefore to God um resist the devil and he will flee from you I think the question stands, do you want to resist the devil? <laughs> you know, based, exactly. on, based on the verse that is, is directly after that, you know, draw near to God. So in order to do one, there's a reverse action that has to take place. You cannot submit without resisting. You cannot draw um, without recognizing that you have to denounce something. So if you're going to walk towards something, that obviously means you're walking away some, from something. So for him to call them double-minded means that they were trying to do both. And, you know what I'm saying? They were trying to say, yeah, I'm going to submit to God, but I ain't resisting nobody. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And so... Uh, I, I think that us as believers, like, there's so much to, to, to take away from how he says it and what he's saying. And, and I think, you know, when you're explaining it, it's so beautiful because you keep going back to the fact that he's talking to believers. Like you keep hammering that home. Like he's talking to brothers. He's saying believers. Like he's saying that intentionally because I think he's trying to let them know their, their status and their position. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, self-proclaimed, it's self-proclaimed. You know what I'm saying? Like you said you were a believer. You know what I'm saying? Like you professed Christ. <laughs> if then, you know what I'm saying? I think we talked about Amen. that. Amen. You know, yeah. If then, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, your life needs to be hidden in Christ. You know what I'm saying? So right. if you're going to say that, that means that there's some things that you have to do. There's some action that has to take place if you're going to call yourself a believer. So I, I think he keeps hammering that home. And it, it's so brilliant that you keep bringing that back to, you know, when you make your points is that, look, we know who he's talking to. You know what I'm saying? This is the family. <laughs> so if we're going to talk to the family, mm-hmm. like, you know, we have our family meetings, like, hey, you know, we're going to tell the neighbors, go home. We, we need to discuss something that, you know, is, That's is right. secret to the family. So, hey, if I'm going to talk to brothers and sisters, hey, close the blinds. Look here. <laughs> I'm going to call y'all sinners because y'all know what y'all doing. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> that is so I'm, good. I'm, I'm not going to call you heathen, but you know what you're doing. <laughs> you're on your way though you're on yeah that's right you're on your way <laughs> yeah and i love that because um also in the the one translation it actually says 
um, when it said you're double-minded, that actually is translated to say your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And mm. the Lord does not play like that. You know, yeah. you're either going to be devoted all the way to me or you're going to be all the way to the. And I mean, really, if you think about it, that's where our true affections were. Because when we were in the world, I, we, we were devoted to ourselves. Even if we didn't want to admit that we were devoted to the world or devoted to serving the devil, we were devoted to ourselves, um, serving ourselves and serving our indulgences. Um, catering to ourselves. And so when we come to God and we become passionate about God, you know, that should be transferred, that same energy um, to be fully devoted to him. Just like, I mean, like with Paul, we saw that in Saul, you know, he was sold out to what he thought was the cause of serving the God of the Pharisees, um, killing Christians, persecuting them, arresting them, doing everything he was doing under the, the name of serving his God. Um, but it was not for Christ. And so when he had that encounter with the Lord, um, immediately, like he, like when he came out from being blinded and everything, like people weren't believing that he was out here preaching the truth now, you know, and believing the way, but it was the example of that immediate reversal. Like, dude, I'm all in like, yes, I was killing them, but now I'm just going to be equally as passionate and zealous for you and your truth and your cause. Um, the same way I was about the way it was before when I was, when I was ignorant and doing everything else I was doing. Um, so, uh, the other two things I just wanted to pull out of that though, that I got was, um, when he said to wash your hands and purify your hearts, that's an obligation that we have as individuals. No one else can wash your hands. I can't wash yours and you cannot wash mine. You know, and, and God is not even saying, I'm going to wash your hands. You know, he cleanses us, you know, from our sins. But the rest of it is on you. He's like, I, I will take your sins because that's not something you can do something about as far as like washing them. Um, you know, though they be a scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Like he did that by the sacrifice that he did by dying on the cross for us. But as far as everything else, like we can make the conscious decisions to not sin and pursue sin and chase sin intentionally. But other than that, he's telling us like you are to wash your own hands. You know, just like you go in the bathroom as often as you go, uh, to wash your hands in real life, wash your spiritual hands too. Yeah. Um, just like you take showers and baths and everything in the, in real life, as often as you do wash and bathe spiritually too, because the Bible says, I mean, and if you think about it, um, and we're not going to be super technical, but just the concept, right? Like we wash our hands, you use hand sanitizer because you're, you just know that throughout the day you're touching stuff, you're contaminating. And this is even pre COVID. So I'm not even trying to be all spooky with all what's going on right now. I'm saying if you are just a naturally hygienic person that cares about hygiene, you already cared before this even happened. Okay. So don't even get me started on that. But mm. <laughs> I'm just saying that, um, the whole idea of being clean, right? We just understand that you are going to come in contact daily with things that will just make you by default filthy, right? Or just lightly dirty to where you just need to constantly wash your hands or bathe so that you can feel clean, smell clean, be clean, right? But you are the one who puts yourself in water so that you personally can lather, you personally can, you know, soap up and cleanse yourself of that filthiness and that dirt or that contamination. So spiritually, the Lord says the same thing. John, first John three and three, he says that every man that uh, purifies himself, even as he is pure. Um, John 17 and 17 says that we are um, sanctified them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Um, it's an obligation to us to cleanse ourselves. Ephesians 5, it tells us that we are washed by the water of the word. Mm. So 
the word of God is what washes us. And if we do not sit under it, if we do not uh, put ourselves before it, how else are we going to be clean from the inside out? Right. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, I, I like verse nine and 10 um, and just kind of connecting the dots to that is um, it says, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and enjoy the gloom. And the first time I ever read that, um, I, I think you said earlier, you know, we, we read James a lot. Um, I didn't really understand what that meant um, until probably one of the last few times I read it. And it really just kind of hit me. And it's, it's talking about exactly what you're saying right now is, you know, directly after you said cleanse yourselves, he's saying, like, understand the state of your sin, like the fact that you are double minded, that you are a sinner, like you need to be wretched. You need to be um, repentive of that. Not that needs to be something that wrecks you, you know, just as, it, you know, just right. in, bits in Romans, it says, oh, wretched man that I am, like who will save me from this body of death? Like we have to come to the point where we realize that without Christ, like we're nothing. And so if we don't come to the point and the place of repentance and, and cleanse ourselves, we're going to continue to walk down this path of destruction and we're not going to have salvation. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. uh, so that really just stuck to me when he speaks to them saying, look, like, Y'all better have a heart change as well. Like, don't just go in there and wash your hands and not use soap. Like, <laughs> you better rinse that yeah. off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you to make sure you get mm-hmm. it all out because when you come back on out here, like, we need to be about this. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and then, of course, verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So he, he's given them this charge of like, look, I'm telling you where you're at. I'm telling you what you need to do. And I'm telling you what the Lord will do when you do your part. So, um, yeah, just that whole exchange, I think, you know, if we can it's always pointing back to the cross. It, it's yes. It's mm-hmm. easy for us to, to point and say, look like y'all wilding, but I'm giving you the solution. I'm pointing you back to the cross. The cross will cleanse right. you. Like you said, you know, washed, you know, by the, the blood. So if, if that's going to be the case and we go do that, then what happens for us? You know, we then are be made alive. We're made righteous, you know, before God. So, yeah, I, j- I just think it's beautiful, again, that he, he recognizes not only who he's talking to, but then how to talk to them. It's like, look, like we know what you've yeah. already done, you know what I'm saying? But yet you're still walking through a, a pattern of, of ill behavior. I'm going to let you know how to get back to that. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's yeah. just such a beautiful passage. My last two points on this is um, I want to I cannot skip this section without plugging verse 17, which says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do mm. it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I have to say that because literally once you hear it, you then know it, period. Like, because you've now heard it. Um, it's not like, oh, I didn't understand. So that gives you like, no, because it's, it's the same thing like our parents, right? Like as kids, you tell your kids, didn't I tell you not to do that? You heard me tell you that. Mm-hmm. So therefore <laughs> you knew what you should do. Um, and honestly, a lot of the things that we struggle with are not because of comprehension. It's simple instruction. We understand. We just don't want to do it. That's yeah. flat out true. We just don't want to. So it is sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. And I just want to tag on top of that. Um, John 3, 19 through 21, when it's talking about how, you know, John three sixteen, we already said that God so loved the Lord. He came into the, you know, so we already know that famous scripture. He, we know that. But this comes after that, you know, the condemnation he didn't come to contend the world, but this is the condemnation. So he wanted to tell us that he said, the condemnation is that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light so that his deeds should not be reproved. 
but he that does truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifest that they're right in God. So simply put what he's saying right there is that when your deeds are, are foul, evil, corrupt, you avoid the light so that you don't get exposed. You don't want to hear what somebody has to say to check you, to reprove you as the word of God says to do. Um, but those who know that their deeds, their fruit, their works are in truth, they have no problem coming to the light because they know that their deeds will be made, made manifest and that they will be proven that they're in God. Hmm. So again, that just like you said earlier, that is a self-examination in itself too, because if you know that you're off the hook, but you avoid the light or you avoid people who you know walk in the light, um, you, you might have in the back of your mind, man, I don't want to go around him. I don't want to go around her because I don't want them to say nothing to me because I don't want to hear their mouth whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, this is you right here. If, if this is you, when you read this passage and you know that this is how you treat people or, or are uh, deviating from people when it comes to your deeds. Hey, when you know you have nothing to be ashamed of, <laughs> it doesn't matter to be near the light or to be around somebody that might check you because, hey, I, I want to be known. I want to be exposed. I want my stuff to be proven right. So I just want to add that. Yeah, no, that's so, good. Yeah. So on this point, um, based on chapter four, what would James do? James would submit to God, right? Yeah. Romans six, right. yield his members uh, to, to righteousness. Amen. Chapter five. Chapter five. Final chapter, short chapter, short book. Um, he says in verse eight, you too be patient, strengthen your hearts, Keep them energized and firmly committed to God because the coming of the Lord is near. Verse 10, he says, for examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Verse 11, you know, we call those happy or call those blessed who were steadfast and endured difficult circumstances. You have heard of the patient endurance of Job and you have seen the Lord's outcome, how he richly blessed him. The Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Then 13, he says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. And I'm just going to cut it right there because for me, what I pulled out of this is um, two things. He comes full, full circle. Um, we started out with uh, chapter one. Our point was that James would endure. And I feel like he ends on a similar point of um, enduring through prayer because he first said that you should be patient and strengthen your heart, keeping them energized and committed to God. Um, the Lord's coming is near. So not just that the Lord is going to return, but him coming to deliver you and rescue you to answer your problem or to resolve your issue is near. So just continue to stay energized, continue to be firmly committed to God. Like you were talking about earlier, what our endurance is, is being steadfast until the end of that challenge. Um, and for examples of patience while suffering, look at your prophets of old who spoke in the name of the Lord. Um, so he's telling you, brothers, sisters, remind yourself, go back to the prophets, look at our examples, go back to the word. You know, um, we call them blessed, those who were steadfast, those who were in, who have endured the difficult circumstances. And again, you have so many examples that you can go back and look at. And uh, you saw how the Lord turned out in their favor in every single time. And so um, if, if you're suffering hardships, you should pray when you're going through things, you should pray. So strengthening your hearts, uh, that in itself is, like I said before, with washing your hands and purifying yourself, that is something that is our job to strengthen our hearts. God is our source of strength, but it's our job to tap in, right? So 
it's just like people who do enjoy or are committed to working out in, in that physical fitness type of deal, right? Um, you take it upon yourself to strengthen your own body when you go to the gym and when you go to lift weights, you are picking up that weight and you are the one making the reps, right? So no mm-hmm. one else is putting that upon you. You're doing that yourself. You are keeping yourself energized and you are keeping yourself firmly committed to that fitness goal or regimen that you have in life. And so the same thing when it comes to the Lord, I mean, everything we do in life is a parallel principle. I feel like, and I, I know I've said this to you so many times because I just see God in everything. Um, so many things I look around, I'm like, man, God, th- this is God. <laughs> like, and it has nothing to do directly with the Bible, but I just see him in everything. I, everywhere I look, I just see him. And so um, we should be looking to strengthen ourselves, strengthen our hearts, strengthen our minds, strengthen our spirits um, by being fed him, feeding ourselves him. And the more that we feed ourselves him, the more that we are able and equipped because the Bible says that we, this, this equips us. This gives us the strength. This gives us the stamina. This gives us the endurance. And um, just back to that scripture you said in Hebrews 12, like this is what helps us to keep our eyes focused on the Lord because when we're going through things, we can always fall back on what we know he said or what was written. And that's what will keep us reminded as we go through or as we're enduring or as we're executing uh, patience, right? Yeah. What did you get from that? Um. Yeah, I like how you kind of went back um, to the beginning, because uh, that's the one thing that kind of sticks out to me is, uh, you know, if we just quote James 1.1, um, he says, um, James, a servant. Um, it, it's interesting how he connects their suffering to endurance. So it's not mm-hmm. just that he's talking to believers, but specifically that he's talking to believers that are that are going through something. Um, right. Because how we've been kind of looking through this whole thing is we're looking at believers um, and not that we're we're taking the the trial out of the situation, but Mm -hmm. we're definitely looking at believers who have been disobedient. Right. Mm -hmm. But James is looking at it. Not only are they believers, they're believers that are disobedient, they're believers that are struggling. um, But through this whole in, in this whole book, he's speaking to the fact that he wants them to endure. Right. Uh, and then the last thing he says is, is pray. So not that that wasn't the, the, the overarching theme, but the fact that regardless of what you're facing, the one thing that you're going to do is pray because that situation that you're going through is not going to be the last time you go through something. And so understanding that endurance is going to be stemmed by how you look at your relationship with God. So the fact that we can look at them and say, okay, they're struggling and then now they're disobedient. Like, is that a direct correlation? We don't know necessarily, but the fact is we, we do know that these are, are, are Christians that they have encountered hardship and they're being disobedient. So I think for us, you know, if we can kind of just look at ourselves is what are we doing? You know, just like you, I think you read uh, verse 13. Are you suffering any hardships? You should pray. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what are we doing when we encounter those hardships? Are we finding ourselves where we, we want to kind of have a slip of the tongue? I mean, we can go back to all four of these chapters and, and make a, um, a direct correlation to our own personal lives based on what we're seeing in the book of James. So I, I think that's the beautiful thing, you know, that I've seen is, uh, the first thing that that is is penned in this book is James, a servant. So the first thing that he recognizes is that he's a servant of God. It doesn't matter what he's going through. It doesn't matter what his familiar tie was to, to Jesus. He's a servant of the most high God. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so because of that, anything that follows after that, his relation is, is I'm going to have just unbridled, um, just 
unwavering devotion to my savior. Um, and so I, I think that that that's, it was a brilliant way to describe himself, but also understanding that, look, I'm coming to you with authority to say, look, we need to pray. Like, I understand you're going through some stuff. Like I get it. And we can all look at, at people around us and including ourselves and say, look, we know that we're going to encounter hardships, but we have to have the right mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's really good that you said that too, uh, because something I just thought of as you were saying that is how um, sometimes our suffering gives way to disobedience, right? Because sometimes you can feel like blaming the Lord or blaming your situation um, you're just mad that you're going through something, whatever it is you don't understand. Because a lot of times when we go through things, especially earlier in your understanding of trials, I don't want to say early in your understanding or early in your walk with God, because it has nothing to do with that part. It's understanding, because you can be early in your walk and understand that trials and suffering is part, and you can catch that quick and just, you know, excel with that concept. Um, but understanding that we this whole thing about growing through trials and suffering is part of like this Christian walk and building our character and building our faith. That's something that takes all of us that get it um, a while to really develop and wrap our brains about around and accept. And so once we get that and we actually accept it, um, we understand that, okay, we're not looking forward to it, Lord, but we do understand that when they happen, you have designed it, you're going to be with us and you've prepared us. So we have to get through it because you're going to grow us and you're going to do something through this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes the suffering, when you don't understand, when you're not cooperative with the process, when you don't accept that you have to go through it because we signed up for Christianity because we thought we were going to get bailed out of suffering and going through hard times, right? Um, that makes you feel like, well, I might as well just have stayed how I was before I came to the Lord because it was easier for me then. That's how you sound like the children of Egypt or the children of Israel yeah. when they came from Egypt, right? When they were going to the desert, it was better for us before when we were in Egypt. We could eat all we wanted. We were doing this and that, but you were crying out there still even then. Um, but the point is, um, sometimes your suffering causes disobedience because you're just mad that you have to suffer. Um, and so I just say that, A, you need to endure because that's part of what we're supposed to do. Um, he says that if we suffer with him, for him, we will reign with him. Um, but we can't look at this thing as though it's punishment. You know, God said that's going to be through much tribulation that will enter the kingdom of heaven. So I, I, I'm reminded of the parable of the sower where it talked about the different types of seeds. And I know, you know, we're getting ready to wrap up pretty soon, but we can go into that another time. One of those seeds it fell into the ground, but it got choked up because of the cares of this life and all the things that go on. Um, the shallow ground is the one where they said, amen. They said, praise the Lord. They said, yeah, that sounds great. But when the, the trials of life and the troubles came, it choked that word right out. It snatched yeah. that word right away from them. And this is exactly that thing. If this is that person who, as soon as the suffering happens, the word is choked out that should not be snatched away from you once the suffering happens, because that's not what the word is for. We read earlier in one of the scriptures that said to receive the engrafted word that is able to save your soul. And and that's what we have to do. We have to hide that word deep within our heart, like Psalm 119 says, so that when the time of testing and trial comes, we will have that deposited word within us to be able to successfully um, pass the test to complete it and to, um, to, 
be strengthened, honestly, in our faith and to make God proud. So uh, what in this chapter, what would James do? James would pray. Yeah, I like that. And I just want to add one more word. I won't, <laughs> I won't jump oh, in absolutely. and preach another sermon, but I uh, said <laughs> that, that uh, trials uh, breed disobedience. Is that how you said it? Did I say it like that? Oh, I, I say sometimes. Sometime. I, I said sometimes suffering breeds disobedience because yeah. of, yeah, yeah. So I would just add another word that not only does it uh, breed disobedience, it also breeds disorientation. Um, mm. And mm-hmm. so um, just as, um, I mean, you can look through tons of passages. I'm even looking at one right now in Philippians, but it talks about standing firm and being steadfast. And, and mm-hmm. all of these words begin to come to light when you understand that, yes, we are going to encounter suffering. We're going to encounter trials, um, like you said, v- diverse kinds of trials. Like we know that that's going to happen. So I think James is, is not only is he dealing with people who are, who are in that moment, but even for those who might be going into that moment that may have not even experienced that yet, like, that's coming you know what i'm saying and so because you know that right don't get rocked like prepare yourself remain steadfast have the word built up in you because when that comes like you said pray trusting god and and having that that communication with god because there's nothing in this world that will sustain you when those trials come other than the hope that you will find in christ so i I think james is just i mean I, i think there's no other way and there's no other beautiful example to use than someone who's recognizing and pointing out in the midst of suffering like when things are going well, it might be easy to praise God, but when it's Mm -hmm. not, can you still have the same mindset and say, I'm still going to praise God the same way I did on Sunday morning when my favorite song was going, you know what I'm saying? And they, they they gave my verse, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and the message was on point. Like that's, that might be the perfect time to worship God. But what about when you get home on Monday and, or you lost your job or the day was horrible and you know what I'm saying? Like, are yes, you going to remain steadfast? So don't look at your situations and then say, well, endurance is connected to what my situation looks like. No, endurance is the race. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Not, not, the, not the speed bump, <laughs> the road. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I, I think James is just for me that that's I think is the solid takeaway for me is that he's able to speak to people who are in the direst of circumstances and still able to tell them, look, like that is. Yeah, um, that that was just amazing. Honestly, I am so proud of us. Number one, that we got that much content in such a, a short nugget size ball, <laughs> <laughs> and it was still rich. I feel like it was just so rich. Um, I feel like I just went to church for the third time today. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I do want to just offer something though to anybody who's listening today as a form of application. Cause that's something that we love to do is just offer some practical things for you guys to be able to uh, consider, but um, read the book of James this week. Just literally take one chapter each day and read the book of James. And then as you're reading, just take note of one thing that you personally are getting, you personally are receiving um, that stands out for you to implement or to improve upon. So um, you don't have to do exhaustive notes. That's something that we just love to do because that's, you know, what we like. But really just kind of hone in on something that you think is just speaking specifically to you and um, really just pray, like, what can I do? How can I deal with this? How can I incorporate this? How can I? Um, enhance this or improve upon this in my life and we would love to hear from you um, what God did what God showed you 
just anything that you you feel that you receive from that because this is such a rich book I'm telling you and it's so practical and in a, in a simplistic way it's not anything hard it's literally something you can daily apply with ease um, but intentionally too so we really want you to be intentional about it um, but definitely do it contact us message us um, you're if you're on Instagram from Facebook contact us his her bro his sis um, we're on both of those sites. So we would love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, just let us know how it's, what you got and uh, how it's going after you read it this, this week. What thoughts do you have or final remarks that you have? Um, yeah, just to close, um, you know, Philippians 4, 9 points out to me and it says, um, as for the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Um, you know, it's modeling. So, you know, we're looking at the life of James and, you know, like I said, um, you know, just as as uh, I think Paul even said, you know, uh, follow me as I follow Christ. So we know that ultimately our head is 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 Jesus. Um, and we, we kind of joked it at the beginning that, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to look to Jesus because we know he was perfect um, and he was the son of God. And so, you know, how can we line up to that? Um, you know, we have an earthly example um, that actually was one of us um, that we can say, hey, you know, this guy had the right spirit, not to say he was perfect, um, but he had the mind of Christ. And so um, just for us to be, you know, as we have those that may be around us, as we have the word of God to look to, you know, we have um, the apostles teaching um, that we can look to and center our, our lives upon, um, you know, there are things that are written in there. And so those are the things that we need to be able to practice and implement. And um, just as you, you so accurately uh, coin all the time, hear, receive and obey. So, um, yeah, as we see these things, um, you know, practice them. And again, it says, and the God of peace will be with you. So um, that's what we want to leave you is, is with that, that peace that only comes in, in knowing God. I just want to pray for us uh, before we let you go. Father God, just thank you so much for this day. Thank you for uh, this word that you have provided to us through the book of James. Uh, thank you for the lessons that we have received today. Uh, please help us, Lord. Help us to be people that would endure. Help us to be people that would willingly obey you. Help us, Lord, with our mouths to watch what we say. Help us to submit to you and to resist the devil. And help us to be people who are prayerful. Um, Lord, we always want to ask that you would cleanse us from any unrighteousness that you have found among us. Um, even as we heard this word, uh, we should be examining ourselves as we hear it, Lord. And so as you, as you stirred in our hearts and as you're still stirring in hearts right now, we just ask you, Lord, to just um, break up the fallow ground and to um, as, try us, you know, see if there be any wickedness within us and purge it from us, Lord God. Help us to identify them and to rid ourselves of the, the things that we recognize that are not um, acceptable to you, Lord. And just thank you for grace that you give us. Thank you for your new mercies every single day. And thank you for your love and your patience with us, which is our salvation. So Lord, you are so good. You're better to us than we deserve. And we honor you. We love you. And we just thank you that you help us to be prepared for the hardships and for the suffering, but also that we do not suffer alone, that we suffer as a community across the world, across the globe of worldwide believers who are all suffering in one way or another, who are all going through various types of afflictions, Lord God, but we go through it with joy, knowing that you are the author and the finisher of our faith, that you are our joy that is set before us. 
and that you are our father, the lover of our souls, and you are faithful to complete and to finish the good work that you started within us. So Lord, we love you, we honor you, we give you all praise and all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Again, we thank you so much for listening today. We pray that it was as much of a blessing to you as it was to us. And again, check us out, contact us, follow us on our social medias, Instagram, Facebook, at HerbroHisSis. Until next time. Oh, 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 oh,